Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns and I am really excited for the guest that we have on today's show, Tanner Larson. If you've clicked on this podcast episode, you probably are thinking, what the heck are these guys going to be talking about today? As a perpetual traffic listener, as somebody who's looking to grow their knowledge of Facebook and Instagram ads, why would we produce an episode entitled, Why Facebook Traffic is Not Your Problem? Tanner is going to enlighten us as to why that probably is not your problem, especially if you're an e-commerce company or for that matter, any business that is selling on the interwebs. So Tanner is with me here today. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Just to give you guys a little background on Tanner. He is a co-founder of 8020 Media, an e-commerce branding computer, and the CEO of buildgrowscale.com. He launched his first e-commerce venture, from his childhood bedroom in 2001. We're going to have to find out about that a little bit more. Since then, he's founded or partnered over a dozen different businesses and markets such as home services, health and fitness, guns and survival, kitchen accessories, supplements and nutraceuticals, as well as business education and HVAC. And some of the customers that he's worked with in the past, some notables are Men's Health, Guthy Renker, Scientific American, as well as the Discovery Channel, my personal favorite, Wild Turkey Whiskey. Welcome to the show, Tanner Larson. Great to have you here. Today, we are going to talk about Facebook advertising, but how it relates back to what we refer to as revenue optimization. This is a term that Tanner and the folks at Build, Grow, Scale have really pioneered and engineered. Very different than the classic conversion rate optimization, which we've done a lot of shows here at Perpetual Traffic on. So I guess that probably leads us into our very first question here, Tanner. What exactly is revenue optimization and how can it help our listeners there, especially in the e-commerce space? So revenue optimization, it's kind of a different way of approaching or looking at e-commerce specifically. I say e-commerce, but you know, as you alluded to, it can apply to almost any online business. But in the framework that we're going to talk about, I'm going to stick to specifically e-commerce to make it make sense. So conversion rate optimization is the term that everybody's familiar with. It gets thrown around. It's kind of a mystical term that really nobody knows what it is. They go, oh, I'm doing CRO stuff. But when you ask them what they're doing, they can't tell you. It's kind of like SEO, right? Nobody knows what they do, but they're doing something. And with conversion rate optimization, the focus tends to be, like the name, on conversion rate, doing whatever you can to optimize the conversion rate. And what we've found is that when we do that, you kind of get this tunnel vision where everything else outside of optimizing the conversion rate and optimizing those metrics associated with that, you kind of get blind to it. You don't see the rest of it. And it's outside that tunnel vision 
that all the magic happens in e-com. So revenue optimization is basically a holistic look at the site and the store. And specifically from the time the traffic lands on the site to the time that they complete their purchase and into the back end when all the follow-up and email and repeat customer type stuff. So it's looking at the complete customer journey from the time they land on the site to the end of time, basically, where they either buy or die, right? So it really fits in really well with what you guys talk about in terms of how you approach traffic. You guys have the customer journey as it leads up to getting them to the site. And then that's where revenue optimization takes over. And to put that into perspective of how powerful is revenue optimization and why it should be the number one focus in your business. And I'm not saying that lightly, but think about it this way. Think about a whole bunch of dominoes set up in a line. Now, if you find the one big domino and you get the right one, you focus on it and you tip that one domino over, it sets off that chain reaction of awesomeness that knocks down all the other ones, makes the cool pattern and really just makes you giggle, right? Well, in e-commerce, revenue optimization is that. To get more concrete of an example, let's look at fitness and health, okay? Everybody at one point or another has decided that they're going to get in shape. And then the first thing that people focus on is going to the gym. Well, first they go buy workout clothes. Then they go to the gym and then they work on, I got to do cardio and high interval training. And then I've got to do weight training. I've got to lift heavy weights and I've got to stretch and I've got to do all these things. And they focus on all those things, which in the example of online business, all that stuff is traffic. Okay. They focus on traffic, but when it comes down to it, the thing that's the most instrumental in achieving success in fitness is diet. And when it comes to fitness, diet is the big domino that sets off the chain reaction of awesomeness for everything else. But nobody focuses on diet because that's hard and nobody wants to focus on diet. They'd rather focus on going to the gym, doing a new workout, trying a new, you know, a new smoothie or pre-workout supplement or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with revenue optimization. Traffic is not your problem. You know, I actually forced Ralph to call the episode that because everything I'm talking about has nothing to do with traffic other than if you focus on revenue optimization, I guarantee you traffic will no longer be a problem in your business. Absolutely. And it's a huge difference between CRO or conversion rate optimization because conversion rate optimization is sort of one thing removed from what everybody really wants. Like if you're doing CRO, and like I said, we've done a lot of episodes on conversion rate optimization. We've had Justin Rondo on here multiple times. But the point is, is that at the end of the day, people want to make more money. It doesn't matter what your business is. How can you get more money out of the traffic that you're sending to your site. And I would submit that even your customers, even the people, I think you actually said this before we got on to record today, is that when you surveyed your customers about what they want, they told you they want to learn Facebook ads. And that's great. And that's why we have a very large audience here on perpetual traffic. But what they really need is the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, right? 100%. And that survey we did at our big conference that we just completed, and it was well over 80% were like, I want Facebook ads. And then we started breaking it down. It's like, Facebook ads aren't your problem. You don't need to get better at it. Let's fix these other things. Yeah, it's true. So we actually, we were just on an agency team call about an hour or so ago, and we talked about this very thing. And the only analogy that I could sort of think of is when it comes to the stuff that Tanner is going to be talking about today is for us, we're the gas pump. Like We teach people which kind of grade of gasoline to put into the gas tank, but you can fill your gas tank to the brim 
with as much traffic as you possibly want. But if you have a broken engine or if your engine isn't as efficient, or I don't even know what you do with an engine. I know you change oil and you change spark plugs or something, whatever. You know, these are the sorts of things that actually make the car go and get you to zero to 60 as fast as you possibly can go and, and keep your car healthy to create a healthy business in this case. So we're going to be talking about the stuff like after the click. And most of the time here on this show, and especially if you go back to episodes 161 and 162, we talk about troubleshooting everything sort of before they hit your landing page. So here we're going to talk about everything past that point. And, you know, one of the things that we do see a lot is, yes, Facebook ads can accelerate your business, but just think of how much more you can actually pull out of that business if you just do a few of the things that we're going to talk about here. And I think probably the best way to start things off is to really look at, okay, what are the three ways in which someone can grow their business. And I have a sneaking suspicion that people who are listening to this show here probably aren't focusing on the right one. So maybe you can take us through that thought process. Absolutely. So I actually wanted to touch on one thing you had just said about Facebook ads is the gas pedal. It can accelerate and grow your business. The thing is though, if you're struggling with Facebook ads, people always say, man, if I could just get my ads to hit or I could just scale my ads, things would work better. The reality is though, is if you're having trouble with your ads, with the ability that you have to target on Facebook, the super nitty gritty ability to dial in on laser focus on an audience and the ability to custom bid, do manual bid, you can do all this stuff, lookalike audiences, chances are you're already good enough at traffic. Reality is, is that there's something else wrong, okay? And that's where we come into this focus of there's only three ways to grow your business, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is not something I invented. I wish I could take credit for it. I actually learned it from Jay Abraham and I'm sure he learned it from somebody else. But basically, when it comes to business, there's three ways to grow. Number one, you can get more customers. There's number two, you can get customers to spend more when they purchase. And number three is you can increase that customer's frequency of purchase, meaning get them to buy more often, right? That's the only three ways to grow a business. The issue is that when people say, I need to get better at Facebook ads, what they're focusing on is number one. I should say 90 some odd percent of the businesses out there are front end focused, meaning they're only goal in life right now, for some reason, is to acquire more customers. And not only are they just trying focused on acquiring customers, which is like, turn up the Facebook ads, turn up to make, get me more customers. Mm -hmm. They're also trying to extract their profit from that initial sale at the same time, which is a recipe for disaster. Seth Godin said it in one of his books, and it's a truism that smart businesses know that profit is generated at the second and third sale and beyond not on the initial sale. Yet mm -hmm. all these companies, specifically e-com companies, and we look at thousands of them a year, they're all doing the same thing. They're all focused on just driving more ads, getting more customers in the door. And once they've made that sale, they're trying to cover all their operating costs, their acquisition costs, cost of goods, and extract a profit to live on out of that initial sale. And then it goes dark. There's nothing else after that. Well, if that's the way you run your business, you don't have a business. You have an offer. You have a hustle, right? The things that if you really want to be able to scale Facebook ads and really grow a business at any sustainable or significant size, you need to focus on the other two ways to grow your business, okay? Things like getting your customers to spend more, increasing that average order value, all right? This comes back to you know, what Dan Kennedy says about he who can spend the most to acquire a customer wins, right? And we've all heard that. I mean, Ralph, I'm sure you say it to your customers as well. All the time. It's true. We hear it, but it's in one ear and out the other. 
But if you really want to scale traffic, then you have to be able to increase your average order value. All right. And there's more to increasing your average order value than throwing a little in-cart upsell on your Shopify store or throwing a half-assed upsell behind your product. The whole customer journey needs to be taken into consideration to see what you can do to boost that AOV. Okay. But from a even simpler perspective of let's put money in your pocket right now, which is the goal of revenue optimization is always putting money in your pocket. You should be focusing on number three, increasing the frequency of purchase from your existing customers. And we've, again, all heard over and over again that it's five times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to sell to an old one. Well, that number is actually, they just updated it. I used it at our event. I believe it's six or seven times more expensive now. But anyway, I mean, that's crazy. But on top of that, you have this captive audience of buyers who've already bought from you. You've already broken the trust barrier. Sell to them again. The cost of selling again to an existing customer is negligible. And as I'm sure you guys know from listening to this podcast and you know what Ralph teaches and Molly and everybody else, that's the best audience you can run ads to. Yeah, for sure. But nobody focuses on that. Yeah, because they're focused on number one. And I don't know if it was Jay Abraham who who said it originally, but he's taking credit for it. And by the way, the coolest business cards in all of digital marketing, if you ever got one of his business cards, Tanner. But Jay says it right. And I think all of our customers, even our current customers, still focus on that front end in lowering their front end acquisition for a customer in many cases. Whereas what you're talking about If you can actually focus on number two and number three, increasing the average order value, as well as the frequency in which they purchase, you can then pay more on that upfront, which is a very different way of thinking about how to actually run paid traffic. Absolutely. There's no benefit in business to being the second cheapest type of business, right? If you can't be the lowest cost, you need to be the highest cost. And for most businesses, being the low ticket offer doesn't work because your acquisition cost is too high. So what we teach and what revenue optimization focuses on is says it doesn't matter what your business model is. If you focus on maximizing that AOV and that LTV, lifetime customer value, so that you can afford to acquire customers more expensively than your competition can, then you're going to win. Absolutely. Ryan Dice says it all the time as well. It's probably the first time that I had ever heard it. I mean, it's a very counterintuitive process. I think it actually came from Michael Masterson, Ready, Fire, Aim, which is one of the best books there is out there on just pure business and how digital marketers certainly runs their businesses, how we run our businesses here at Tier 11, is it's a counterintuitive way of looking at how to acquire customers. And that's the big thing. We're talking about acquiring customers here. And then once you actually get them, maximize that through revenue optimization. So on those three points there, we'll obviously we'll set aside the first one because that's sort of the rest of these episodes on perpetual traffic. So if I were to really focus in on average order value, how to increase that lifetime value of a customer, as well as frequency of purchasing, what would be some easy things or some maybe step-by-step things that we can give to our listeners here today in order to get some early wins? I know... Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing 
his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Your podcast is a traffic podcast, so I can't not help them with a little traffic hack on the first one. Appreciate that. So for those of you guys who are like, I don't care what you're saying, Tanner, just help me get more traffic and make more money from my traffic. I got you covered. So (laughs) what we're going to do right now is I'm going to give you a little example. You're gonna have to visualize this with me as we go through it. But in the e-commerce space, one of the biggest problems with stores is the bounce rate. It's not uncommon for a Shopify store or a Magento store or whatever to have a 16, 17 second page load and all kinds of other things that contribute to the bounce rate. But that results in is a lot of stores have bounce rates over 90%. Okay. And I'm saying stores, even that are doing $2 million, $3 million a month, bigger stores, small stores, whatever. It's one of those things that people understand that bounce rate's important, but they don't really know what to do about it or why it's truly important to reduce it. So I'm going to give you a quick math example of if you can reduce your bounce rate by 10%, I can cut your traffic costs by 50%. So just quickly, just explain to our listeners what your definition or what the definition of bounce rate is in case you're new to all this. Our definition of bounce rate is you get a click, it comes to your site, and then it leaves. So before the page loads all the way or before looking at any of the content or really before engaging with the page in any way, no scroll, no nothing else. And our revenue optimization experts, which their guys are way smarter than me, they actually get down to a timing thing. It's like, hey, if they're on the X number of seconds or more is a visit, X number of seconds or less is a bounce. And there's all kinds of stats for that. But the big thing is, is people who bounce are people who've never even taken a chance or had a chance to consider your offer. And one of the biggest indicators of bounce rate is how long it takes for your page to load. And if you think about it, you're sitting on your phone, whatever, and you're scrolling the internet and all of a sudden you're on there, you're on your 4G and you're trying to load a website and it takes more than a fraction of a split of a second because you, you know we're that instant gratification society. You're like, screw mm-hmm. it, I'm moving on to something else. Mm-hmm. That is what a bounce rate is. So in this case, let's just look at a basic example. So let's say you're buying Facebook ads, you're getting a thousand visitors, a thousand clicks, right? And we're paying 50 cents per click. Let's just call them link clicks, right? 50 cents per link click, which gives you a $500 cost to get those thousand clicks, right? Yep. Nothing fancy there. Now let's take those clicks are going to your Shopify store and your Shopify store has a pretty normal 90% bounce rate. Your store hasn't been optimized yet. Your page loads, whatever. And you've got a 90% bounce rate. Well, what that actually means is that out of the thousand people that are going to your site, 900 of them are bouncing and leaving without checking out your offer. So only a hundred are actually staying on 
the site. So all the data and all the metrics that you're going to be calculating from this point on are not from a thousand, they're from a hundred. So what that means is instead of 50 cents per click, you're actually paying $5 per click Yeesh. because you're only getting a hundred of those thousand to stay. So if you're paying $5 a click, all of a sudden that skews your metrics. No wonder you can't convert or you can convert, but you can't do it profitably because things are way more expensive than you thought they were. So that's the reality of how bounce rate directly impacts your traffic cost. And obviously how many people are going to see your offer and then convert. You know, if you got a 10% conversion on a thousand visitors, that's much better than a 10% conversion on a hundred visitors, right? Yeah. So now let's reduce that bounce rate. So you go in and you use Pingdom and you find out that your site is loading slow because your images are too big and you compress all your images and that cuts your site load speed by like 30%. Honestly, that's the simplest thing in the world you can do. Go to Pingdom, go do some of these speed tests, find out what's loading slowly on your site. And typically it's going to be images. Compress those images using something like tiny PNG and you'll get a huge reduction in your bounce rate. Now, let's say we do that and that gives us a 10% reduction in bounce rate, which would normally be way higher than that. But let's just lowball it and say you get a 10% reduction in bounce rate. So instead of a 90% bounce rate, we have an 80% bounce rate now. Well, that means that double the amount of people stayed on the site. So instead of 100 stayed, 200 stayed. But what that also means is that since we have double the amount of visitors, we just cut our traffic cost from $5 a click down to $2.50 a click. Yeah. So little traffic quick, right? Yeah. yeah that's, and that's just a bounce rate thing. Yeah. And we talked about this back on episode 161, where you can actually go into reporting inside Facebook and compare your link clicks on your ads to your landing page views, and which is a big, big deal. That's not your bounce rate. What Tanner says here is bounce rate. But in one case, we had a customer where their link clicks were 1,000 and their landing page views were 500 or thereabouts, which is very, very bad. And their site speed was 20 something seconds when we did this test here. So yeah, you can make huge differences just in that alone. So the resources that you mentioned there, obviously, Pingdom first, but then Tiny PNG, because typically it is a heavy image issue that that results from that analysis yep other things like if you have apps on your store that you're not using that are turned off delete them completely because they still have code calls that are firing out to servers you know if you have any broken code or anything like that but the cool thing about pingdom and these other speed test sites is they'll list out all the things that load and in what order and you can see what's taking the longest and then you can go address those things one by one but images are the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, most definitely. Cool. So we're addressing our cold traffic issue up front, but that's not really the good stuff. So no, no, that's, that's just kind of cool, but not, yeah, not that awesome. That's his perpetual traffic hack right there. But let's get into the real revenue optimization stuff. So I'm an e-commerce store. I'm on the Shopify platform, for example. I've implemented the e-commerce ad amplifier. I'm starting to get some results, but what's the thing that I could do as an e-commerce store owner to really make a big impact on my business? What would you do first or how would you analyze it first? And then typically what's the first thing that you can do? Good point there is what do we do first? When we look at a site, whether it's a client site, our own site, whatever, we always work from the back to the front. Conversion rate optimization typically takes the place of, okay, let's optimize the homepage, the product page, the cart, blah, 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 or the checkout. We look at where the money is coming from first, because here's the thing. If you optimize something on the front and there's something broken in the middle, then that benefit of optimizing that front end doesn't help you. So we always work from the back to the front. So we start with the checkout. We optimize the checkout. We optimize the cart. 
We optimize the product page. We optimize the category page. We optimize the homepage in that order because we start closest to the money because every positive impact and lift that we get starting from the back extrapolates and just compounds as it moves its way through the rest of your site as you optimize on the way out. So the first thing we would do is look at the checkout. One of the first things in the checkout is we actually built an app that optimizes the checkout because Shopify checkout is just terrible. But something on the lower hanging fruit than that is just using multiple modality cart abandonment. Everybody uses email cart abandonment. The thing is, most people let Shopify trigger those emails and Shopify's emails are terrible. If you're using ClickFunnels or something like that, make sure you're using your own SMTP that's been official, that's been warmed up correctly because their abandoned carts always go to spam. So there's a lot of things you got to do there to make sure your abandoned carts are working because that is a way to save between 30 and 60% of your potentially lost revenue. So one of the things we do is we use what's called a multiple modality approach. We do cart abandonment with SMS, text message, Mm -hmm. Facebook Messenger, and Clavio for email, so and email, whereas most companies only use email. And then also on top of that, we have DPA and traditional retargeting cart abandonment as well. Because this is obviously your most valuable traffic, right? So whereas email may recover 10 to 15% on a site, if we add in Shop Message, which is one of the apps we use, which for Facebook Messenger, now we're up to 20, 25% recovered. We add in SMS for text messaging, and now we're recovering between 40% and sometimes as high as 50% of the abandoned carts that are happening. That's just free money that you've already paid for right there. And it's low-hanging fruit that directly impacts your bottom line. Everybody else gets excited about the revenue. I like the fact that I've just acquired a whole bunch more customers that I would have lost because the customers add to the lifetime value and that's where all the magic happens there. And you've already paid for it anyway. So Yeah, you might as well save as much of it as you can. Yeah, exactly. SMS, Facebook Messenger, which we've talked about here quite a bit for cart abandonment. Clavio for Shopify folks and obviously DPAs. Any one of those in particular that you would implement over the others or just sort of all... Honestly, give you some numbers. On one of our apparel stores, email was bringing in about $2,500 a day in recovered cart abandons. $2,500. Cool. We added Facebook Messenger, went up to $6,000. We added this SMS, went up to about eight, nine thousand. And then we actually, instead of just having them all sending out random emails, we actually sequence them so that they don't all hit at the same time and they kind of build on each other. And now that same store is recovering $17,000 a day in abandoned carts. So wow. in my opinion, it's, you don't have an option. You have to use all three. Yeah, for sure. You know, only if you hate money, I guess, if you hate <laughs> money, just not use it. So chances are, if they're listening to this show, they probably like money just a I little would imagine. bit. Yeah. I don't think people realize how big of a deal cart abandonment is. And it's obviously it's increased dramatically since it's the a $4 trillion a year loss yeah. to the global e-com community, $4 trillion. You're in a lot of Shopify backends, a lot of e-commerce backends, a lot of Facebook ad accounts, I'm sure. How many folks are actually deploying any sort of cart abandonment strategy, in your opinion? Less than half. And if they are, typically they're just using the generic stuff that either Shopify sends out or a generic campaign that whatever the e-com platform is or funnel platform, they all have their kind of like generic stuff. And that's really the most... And we had one client, they were doing about $3 million a month. And they're like, oh, we have our card abandonment. Great. It's doing like $10,000 or whatever. And we're like, okay, let's look at it. They did have emails going out, but there were no links in the email. <laughs> That's a problem. And they had over 1,000 card abandons a day. 
on a high, on a high ticket product. And it's like, well, yeah, if, if you're getting lucky that it's working because now they're having to type it in to go back and find it. Right. So that's really part of number two in your one, two, three, as far as how you really do grow your business. But it's really, it's acquiring more customers or at least making more sales, right? Correct. From an AOV standpoint, the most important thing you can do is specifically on a Shopify store, the problem with Shopify is we love Shopify. So when I say the problem with it, it's just one of the things you have to deal with Sure, is the fact that there is no good way to add to your AOV. There's no upsells that work really well. There's apps that work, but they're not great. They all have their various limitations. And then all the apps that do, they're all about the cart, okay? And so one of the things is, is people go get these apps and they install it on their cart. And it basically says, you know, you have sunglasses in your cart and then it says, hey, would you like to get the cleaning cloth, right? Now, from a logical standpoint, if you don't understand revenue optimization in the customer journey, that makes sense. It's a good place to offer that. But if you actually dive into data the way we do on heavy, heavy Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, and all that stuff, you would see that your true metrics show that while, yes, your AOV does go up by having an in-cart app turned on, your other metrics, including conversion rate, completed checkouts, and everything else, go down. And mm. the decrease in those other metrics is way more significant than the tiny boost in AOV. Mm -hmm. So the important thing to do is figure out how you can increase the AOV. Ideally, post-purchase is the best place, but that's problematic. Where pre-purchase can you increase the AOV at the right way? Because revenue optimization is about presenting the right information to the customer at the right time. In the cart, the only thing you need to do is get them to click that proceed to checkout. Because if you cause an abandon in the cart, all you can do is DPA. You yeah. can't send an email, you can't do text message, you can't do Facebook message, right? So you need to get them into the checkout. Anything that distracts them or creates an extra hurdle or a cognitive load that they have to think about is detrimental to that process. So what we've figured out how to do is we took one of the best things in a sales funnel for increasing AOV is an order bump. It's a little checkbox you can throw in there right before the checkout. Shopify, you can't do that. So what we did was we figured out how we can develop and use order bump technology on the product page right below the add to cart button when they're in the browse mentality. So before they add the product to the cart, they have an option to basically add order bumps right beneath the add to cart button. And if you go to movement watches or something like that, they have it on there and it's a great one to look at. You can buy a watch and then underneath it, there's swap out these bands, get more bands, things like that. And it's a huge, huge lift to AOV at the right time. Now, if you do have the ability for post-purchase, then post-purchase is a great way to increase your AOV. The other thing, this is where store versus funnel comes into play, right? I mean, in my book, I talk very heavily about landing pages. You got to have a sales funnel. I even say the worst place in the world to send your traffic is to your store. Mm. That was written in November, 2016. We've come a long way since then in what we can do with a store, but that still holds true in a lot of cases. Now, if your product has a lower price point and you have a lower AOV on the store and your cost per acquisition is higher than what you can afford, you would probably benefit significantly by building out a standalone funnel that allows for upsells, downsells, post-purchase, and an order bump to increase your AOV on the acquisition. Once you've acquired the customer, now you can send them to the store. And that's where you can increase the lifetime value of your customer, the repeat purchase rate, all of that, because customers will naturally work better on a store once they're already a customer versus the acquisition phase. Now, if you are a funnel and you already got your AOV dialed in, where a store might fit in for you would be on that principle number three, increasing frequency of purchase. Most funnel-based businesses have terrible, if any, 
repeat customer rate. All right. So when we were working with Organifi, mid eight figure business on funnels, they had a Shopify store that was barely doing anything. It was all type in traffic. It was their remnant traffic. So what we did was we optimized that Shopify store and took it from around 2 million a year in type in traffic to a little over 9 million a year in type in traffic. And now they're able to send all those front end customers that they acquired through their funnels easily back via email to their store. And now that store is growing at a ridiculous rate. Their repeat customer rates through the roof. It went up 70% the last time we looked at it. And there's a lot of different ways that the store and the funnel can work really, really well together. So it's not an either or thing. We firmly believe that e-commerce in today's world, and especially with the competitiveness of ads and everything else, it's a both. Use the funnel to acquire customers when you can't scale, because at some point, the more you expand your audience broader, the higher your acquisition cost goes up and everything else, right? Typically, yeah. So there's a diminishing returns the wider you have to cast the audience. So at some point, your store may convert amazingly well up to a certain point. And once you try to scale out beyond that, maybe your store just doesn't convert as well on this broad traffic because you need a higher AOV, put it in a funnel, all of a sudden now you've added another 30, 40% to your AOV and you can scale to the moon. So talk to us a little bit about the difference between, you know, all right, I'm a Shopify store owner and sales funnel. Like, what is he talking about there? Standalone funnel, upsell path. Like, what is all that stuff? I'm sending traffic right now to my homepage or to a collection page or even a product page. I'm using the e-com ad amplifier and I'm doing pretty well. Why do I need a sales funnel? And tell me sort of the differences between the two and explain it to the audience. So on your store, let's say you're sending product directly to a product page. Your landing page is actually your product page, right? Mm -hmm. You're sending traffic there. And let's say you're converting, most Shopify stores convert between one and a half to 3%. Right. That's kind of the industry average right now. In Mm -hmm. our world, our new normal starts around 5%. And that's one of the reasons we don't need landing pages and funnels as much anymore because we're able to duplicate the effectiveness of a lander and the higher conversion rates on the store now. However, back to the point, so let's say you're converting at around 3% and your AOV, let's just say, is 40 bucks. All right, so things are working pretty well. Your traffic's working, you're selling, and now you're trying to grow, right? You're turning up the ads, you're testing more broad audiences. You're really trying to scale everything out. That starts happening. All of a sudden, your cost per acquisition starts to climb, okay? And then for a while there, it's okay. And then you reach a point where it's like, man, we're not ROIing, right? It's taking us, if you don't have a back end, you have no you know, 30, 60, 90 day ROI. You're just basically losing money on the front end. You can't afford that. At that point, let's say there is no back end, just to keep the example simple. At some point, you reach that point where your CPA is higher than your AOV and with all your other numbers, you just can't make it work. Mm-hmm. And you've done everything on your store you can to increase your AOV. And let's say you get it up to $45. That helps for a minute, but not for very long. If you're still trying to really scale out traffic, that's where taking that hot product that was working really well and building out a dedicated sales page, long form landing page, right? Where you can really focus on using all the hardcore copywriting principles of the ages to drive them into wanting to buy that product. When they buy the product, they click the add to cart button or the buy now button or whatever. It takes them straight to a checkout. There's no cart, takes them to a checkout page where you can then offer an order bump, which is a one-click offer right above the checkout button, which is typically worth about a 15 to 20% take rate Mm -hmm. and can significantly boost your AOV pre-purchase. When they click purchase 
At that point, you want to hit them with a related upsell offer, which the generic one that everybody talks about is, you know, they buy a cheeseburger. Would you like fries with that? Right. In my world, that's an order bump, the, the French fries. The next thing would be, would you like to get a McFlurry or would you like to get ice cream or something like that? That would be a good upsell. In the supplement world, it's like, hey, you got one, would you like to join our continuity program? Or you got one, would you like to get two more for a discount? Or I bought this flashlight, would you like batteries with that? Or I bought a tent, would you like our stakes and our tent heater or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. What that does, those are all post-purchase, they're one-click purchases. And they take advantage of the buyer's high that's happening with the endorphin rush when someone does a purchase. Their barriers are lower. The likelihood of them spending more money with you is at its highest point at that moment. So that's the whole point of the upsell path. And the idea there is that if you can stack the highly related offers in an upsell flow or a downsell flow behind that landing page, your AOV can go sky high. So you could go from a $45 AOV on your store to a 60, 70, 80, 100 plus dollar AOV on a funnel meaning you have way more money to acquire the traffic and acquire the customer. And at that point, you've got them. Then they can go into your follow-up flows. You can retarget them back to your store. You can use your email flows to push them to different offers. Hey, you bought this product. This is your next product. Cross-sells, upsells, downsells, all that stuff. And if you have that upsell path after the standalone funnel, you can also bolt that into your storefront as well. Correct. There's a couple apps. So like you've got cart hook, you've got funnel builder, and there's actually a new one that we're working on right now with the developers of the company. We're actually optimizing the checkout portion for them, which is really cool. It's not out yet. Uh, but those two apps and this one that's coming out allow you to actually bolt on an upsell downsell functionality into Shopify, but it bypasses the store checkout. So it uses their own checkout and your own Stripe account for processing. And honestly, that's the downside right now is in our world, we've been able to optimize the Shopify checkout, even without Shopify Plus, so well that even sending them through like Carthook or Funnel Builder, and even with the AOV boost, it's still not performing as well as just sending them through acquiring the customer using our optimized checkout. Wow. And that's why we're working with this new company, like, hey, build our checkout into your upsell path so that we can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, for and sure. I'm excited to tell you guys about that as soon as it's functional, but right now I don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> well, I would think that you would have a few customers for that. That's for sure. I mean, we love Shopify as well. But... Yeah, to know it's not, it's not our app. We don't own it. We're not an app company by any means. So it would just be me telling you guys who they are. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that is an issue. I mean, it's an issue with our current Shopify customers. We have to you know, do plugins after the fact. You know, in order to add on upsells as well as, you know, either customization of checkout pages. I mean, there's all sorts of things that needed to be sort of added on. There's no real great out-of-the-box solution for Shopify that we've seen so far. It's good to hear from your perspective. We're not missing anything because it's an awesome platform. Shopify has made some amazing strides and the app world has really blown up in terms of functionality. And it is the best of the platforms that are out there for e-commerce, unless you need some kind of crazy custom solution. And in that case, you're going to wind up on Magento or something like that and a huge licensing fee. But for 90% of businesses, Shopify is more than enough and it's getting better every day. Like I used to be so anti-store, it wasn't even funny. I mean, and I come from a funnel background, so that's kind of normal for me. But now I've come to the point where I love our stores. <laughs> I mean, they're amazing. It's just amazing what you can do now. So if you do have a store and it's struggling, 
the first thing you don't want to do is go start another store. And that's what everybody's like, oh man, I just need to make a new store. This store is no good. Or maybe I should scrap this theme and start over with a new theme. The theme is not magic, guys. Any theme can be optimized the same way any other theme can be optimized. It's all a matter of figuring out your customer's journey and removing obstruction points at each step of that customer journey on your site. And the more you can smooth out that path, the higher your conversion rate, the higher your completed checkout, the higher your AOV, everything's just going to work better when you remove and smooth things out versus trying to add more stuff. So we've got something for the cold traffic for acquiring new customers with page load speed. Obviously, we've got AOV here, obviously, with sales funnels and upsell paths, as well as a number of different apps that we had talked about, or at least methodologies. Um, this is a lot for folks to implement all at once. If you were to pick one thing out of the things that we talked about here, what would you do probably first? And Hands maybe... down, card abandonment. Be making money within minutes and you'll have a big old smile. And you know, I, I subscribe to that whole quick win philosophy. So whatever can put a smile on your face and get that little momentum started is the best thing you can do. And that's something you can do in an afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Because you've already paid for that traffic. It's deep in the funnel. It's the warmest traffic you have. It's level four traffic, as we refer to it in the e-commerce ad amplifier. It's right there, ready and waiting for you. And hopefully you have your Facebook pixel on that uh, on that page. If you, <laughs> Jeez, if, you're not, if you haven't gotten it on there by now, by episode 165, you know, you really shouldn't be listening to this podcast anymore. So anyway, so hopefully you got that on there. So that's good. So you can recapture that traffic, put some dynamic product ads and a couple of the other resources that we're going to have here in the show notes. This has been absolutely awesome, Tanner. We didn't really even make mention of it, but a lot of these concepts that we're talking about here come from your book, which is called E-Commerce Evolves, The Essential Playbook to build, grow, and scale your business. Where's the easiest way for people to get that and how can they find you? Two options for you. You've got ecommerceevolvedbook.com, 